Hello, this is episode 17 of Colin and Company with my friend Andy. Enjoy. So this is previous co-worker of mine and friend, Andy. We worked together for a couple of years. How long was it? It was like four years or something like that. I don't... Together? Uh, three? Yeah. Because this is my fifth year. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, because I worked around seven years total. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that would make sense that it would just be three years. Yeah. So around three years. Three years. It was a very short three years, though. It's Time flies, honestly. Like, I was talking to someone the other day, like, yeah, I've been here. It was, it was one of the designers. Like, it was her third year anniversary. I'm like, three years already? I thought you'd been here, like, four or five. Because I remember she started, like, I'm like, I know she definitely started a year after I did. Like, it's, that's a time. Yeah. Well, even the past two years, they're just different years. Yeah. Like, so not to go down, like, a, a rabbit hole, because that is something easily that we could just, like, talk on for, yeah. for a well, while. Well, even, even for me, just having, because right when, when all the events took place, yeah. I had my, my son. So it's like my world changed in many different ways oh, when, yeah. when that hit. Yeah, it's been a blur. You're working at another thing as like a designer. Mm-hmm. Now, does he said design engineer before? Yeah, it's actually, it's an interesting story because I've been a front end dev for well, basically my whole career up until 2020 or 19. I can't remember, but I've always been interested more or less in graphic design, like UI, UX, and then experience design. But I've just never had the the opportunity to tra- transition into that career. Yeah. I guess part of it is I, I started a company with my friends to kind of get an idea of what that would look like on the side. Yeah. Um, and what's that? What's that company? Big Forest Productions. Yeah. Which is still going. I've bowed out of it for time reasons. That's fair. But it's still play. still going strong. So. That's very awesome. Yeah, it's entering its year so for a small business that's kind of a milestone because most companies fail within five years of their start and big forest is still still kicking so hell yeah that's that's pretty awesome so i feel like i'm a similar way with why i wanted to do like web design or web design or web development more i guess more development than design kind of at this point when i started I mostly did like Java and like backend stuff, kind of, and a little bit of like front end, like JavaScript and and some markup and some and some CSS and sort of styles or whatever. And I was like, I like doing this other stuff more. Not that I hated Java. It was just like there was something about like seeing the work that you're doing, and like also from a point of in an interview, or if you're like like a, having a portfolio of your work, you could say, here, go to this website. Here's this feature that I've helped build. Or here, I've helped implement this X, Y, and Z on this site. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously like it'd be weird to be like in an interview, like here, sh- here, look at this stuff. But like if they wanted to actually double check and not just take your word for word. And they can inspect your code too. Yeah, they can see my my sloppy, you know, coding skills. And <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I, I love 
I love that stuff. And I feel like at the place I'm at now, I feel like I've learned a couple of things and different practices. I mean, you probably have as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you actually, I forgot that, yeah, the, the place that you work at right now, they gave you a huge opportunity because you were kind of in the back end area. Yeah, it was and stuff then, for more of the retail aspects. And to make a long story short, you know, I reached out to the manager of the front end team, like, this is what I want to do. I do have the skill set and talked to members on the team. And it was going to be initially just like this mentorship. And then destiny aligned, the fates aligned, a couple people were on their way out of the company on the team at that time. And the manager's like, well, we got a couple positions. What would you think? I'm like, yeah. So had like a, just kind of like a vibe check with senior members on the team. And then a quasi interview with the manager himself and was like, you know, I remember like one day I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'll probably hear something, you know, two, three weeks down the road. You know, I don't know how time, all that stuff works. Usually it takes a while. Right. Usually take, usually takes some time. And then all of a sudden I get an, you know, email from the manager, like blocked off time on my calendar. Like, Hey, let's meet. Let's grab, a, let's grab a conference room real quick and meet and extended me an offer. <laughs> and I want to say that all moved within like less than a month. I want to say more or less from like beginning to end. It was like a month. I remember it being pretty quick. It was very yeah. quick. Cause it's like, they were looking for people. They hired two others, obviously. One's no longer there. But we're still good friends with. No, this is a different person than you think of. <laughs> You're right. I take it back. Yeah, no, this was, this was a different... Uh, <laughs> oh, man, now the memories are coming back. Yeah, yeah I remember not, not to throw shade or anything. We'll keep, him, we'll keep him anonymous. But he was... I just think that he wasn't a good fit for mm -hmm. our company culture. Yeah, he wasn't like... He definitely was not bad at what he did. He definitely wasn't lazy or anything it's it was one of those this is a culture attitude that just didn't mm -hmm. didn't vibe and I've, I've kept tabs on him he's in a i think he's actually where he wants to be yeah so yeah i think you've mentioned that i think once before maybe i can't mm -hmm. remember but yeah no it was definitely like yeah that that guy we hired on and then a different guy who hired around the same time in the one but yeah no i you know super grateful for the manager of the, the team I was on before, the senior manager, even the, the big head muckety-muck guy, you know, giving me this opportunity. And even the manager at the time was like, I came from the finance department. Like, he, he's been with the company since, like, you know, 2000. So he's been there for 20 years. And he's like, I was in finance. I wanted to move to IT, and people were cool with it. So he's like, I totally understand Moving around, and I think yeah. I think that's something that that company does decently. Mm -hmm. Well, and even like how I got hired there from the start, I was hired because I had no clue how to code. The company literally like they looked for someone who did not know how to code. I was the worst one, <laughs> and they hired me. Took a chance to see if they could train someone up to do email dev from from nothing, and I think overall it worked pretty well. Because I'm not the only one that they tried that on. I, I was like the first test, and then they they tested some more. But yeah. That company has a history 
of taking chances like that on people and I think there's there's a lot of staying power with that too because you know company that's willing to do that for you for sure you have a lot of respect for them trusting yeah. you and I've talked to people on the team over time and also just hearing like their background it's really interesting when the team was more you said it was an email email developing team and then it kind of transitioned into like this front end yeah like when I started I was the so my boss was the original email developer right then the demand got too high for him so he kind of headed that up and then I basically built all the emails in table cells which is like a subset of HTML I think it's really how websites used to be made before HTML and yeah like it, before that got built up a lot so yeah, actually, that's even that's true with um, my boss. Even that was another guy that that the company took, you know, took a chance on, and mm-hmm. it worked out really well for for both parties there. Yeah, it was just like interesting to hear how people's backgrounds. But that's kind of developing. Yeah, how, how, that's how most people fall into the developing because I know a ton of musicians yeah. that code just naturally works with mm-hmm. with them. There's, I mean, any anyone who even studies like foreign languages, yeah. they can fall into it because they understand the, I guess, the syntax, and they can just rapidly learn the logic behind it. Yeah, kind of like a, I don't know, developers at least up to this point have been kind of like a mismatch of, of misfits, musicians, and artists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true, and especially like on, on the team was like. You know, I'm just trying to, like, run through everyone and, like, a, a mini, like, synopsis of the background. Like, you know, one went to school for art. One was a journalist, journalism major. That she uh, eventually got into, like, work, I believe, WordPress or something. Yeah. Maybe, I believe. I think so. Yeah. If I'm remembering who it was. Yeah. <laughs> and then... I think there maybe be there might be one, like besides me, who's an actual computer science major. Mm-hmm. The vast majority I know were music teachers, musicians, and well, there's like one actual rock star that's still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just cool to see like where we all came from, and how. Like, everyone just came to be on the team in, in some fashion or another. And it's just like, it's wild that there's someone who's taken the traditional path, and then someone's like, well, I kind of did this one thing, and then I, I found this kind of neat, and just kind of one thing led to another, and kind of like snowballed into a team. A team. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. And especially now that we're starting to partner with. A local nonprofit that teaches coding to people who don't have a coding background and that's where we got two of our latest hires was from that nonprofit that's awesome yeah it's like why haven't we been doing that sooner like we before those two hired there's a, a person we hired she worked with that nonprofit as teaching like it's like a, a lecturer teacher whatever and she talked to the manager and was like, we should, and I think, you know, 
he was aware of it, but like get, to get the ball rolling and actually like get HR to be like, let's partner with this nonprofit because other companies in the area are doing it, and they can definitely they benefit from it. And it's like we should be doing that. It's also a huge opportunity because, I mean, anything in the IT world pays really well, and more or less, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess compared to like the other run of the mill positions like tech tech in general pays pretty good yeah when you can just train someone code mm-hmm. like if they can understand the fundamentals and they they have the work ethic they're going to go places yeah and you don't necessarily have to like i don't even have a four-year diploma i have an associate's degree and that's it and an associate's in graphic communication okay but it's attainable to you know, study code, make sure you know it, mm-hmm. and then prove to an employer that you can learn and, and grow in it. And you can make an, an, you know, nice, I wouldn't expect six figures off the bat, but you can make an honest, comfortable living Yeah. with not minimal effort, but... There needs to be some sort of drive there. Yeah. Yeah, because if you, if you don't want to know, well, like for me, JavaScript is always a, you know, difficult thing for me. It's a quirky language. Let's yeah. be, it's a it's a weird language that I mean every language is going to have its quirks, but uh, the, everyone everyone in the tech world likes to bag on on JavaScript, but it's like it can do some pretty powerful shit mm-hmm. when you boil it down. Well, yeah, and I'm just so heavily oriented towards the visual side of things. That's yeah. why I, th- I think the transition from front end dev even then to more in the ex- experience design realm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense for me. But even then, me, even me being able to make that choice, that started with code. Yeah, and and that that first step into into the world to understand it. And because I've spent so much time in code, I can design for it specifically. And I, yeah, I know what I you know what to look for when you're creating a new flow for you know whatever whatever yeah. comes your way. Yeah, being a design, there has been at least for me. Like, I don't know if that's, like, a next step for me, but, like, we were, ta- we were talking earlier how it's, like, it pays for a designer to have some knowledge mm-hmm. of coding. And I'm not saying they need to be, like, a senior-level developer, but, like, someone who has a working knowledge, I believe is what you said. Yes. Or, like, of it. And it's, like, I wonder if you could, and you kind of did this, do the same thing, like be a be a developer, but then also start focusing, not like getting away from developing, but like develop and also design. Yeah, like I would love for a hybrid position at the company. Like I think it would have its benefits. Yeah, that's actually the position I had before I took my most latest position. So so after well, I guess the the contract position that I had. I was a hybrid uh, front-end dev and UI UX designer, okay. which was, I was pr- the, the primary one, and I guess at the end of the day, it was, it was really tricky because it's a smaller company, and yeah. it, part of it was even, there wasn't much, much structure there or defined, a, a defined role like that, because it was kind of just whatever they, they wanted or needed me to do. Mm-hmm. But it was a very interesting role because, for me, it was an incredible learning experience because I would 
design something, Ooh. and then they're like, okay, great, now make it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, now I have to make something <laughs> that I design, which is really interesting because normally, like right now, I can design something, walk the front, the, the dev in it, and then, you know, say any questions or, you know, let me know if you have any issues and then send it off to them. Yeah. Which feels really weird because, like, the big part for me is developing it. So it feels like I'm almost cheating because I just designed something and... Pass it along a lot. Yeah. yeah. But doing both, it, it challenges you because you have to not only think about how would I actually code this, mm -hmm. but, like, it, you're, you're balancing what's the ideal user experience here, how can I convert that to code without making some really crazy one-off thing that's going to take, you know, so much of company time. So you're trying to balance all these demands mm -hmm. just with yourself, especially if you're working remotely. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's a really, really good exercise because, I mean, it just makes work easier for everyone once you, you know, get a grasp on it. Mm -hmm. So like any, any type of pair... It's not even pair programming, it's pair designing, developing. And then as long as the, the end user is the, like, what their needs are, that's what matters most. But if a developer and designer can like pair, design, develop for the end user, that's a really, really powerful system. Yeah, definitely like working in tandem and using two people, even if it's not like a hybrid role, you have someone and I think we kind of do that. We should. I really. We should be doing more of that here. Having the designer sit down with the developer. I guess what that's kind of what grooming's meetings are for. But eh, eh, that's a whole other like figuring out process. That's a whole other whatever. But like, yeah, no. Having two people tackle it would be, I think, a better end result. Mm -hmm. And especially. Now that the design team is getting more into research, I think we should have been doing that from like day one. I'm not saying we didn't, mm -hmm. but I feel like with this newer manager, she's been really like honing in on including research into the products that we're making. Either it's like, you know, it's her and a designer having these like, you know, Zoom call, Skype call, whatever with customers or, and getting like feedback showing their prototype or just saying, hey, do you mind if we like kind of sit in and watch you either buy something from our site or from a different site altogether, like another e-commerce, whatever. And just kind of seeing how they interact on our product versus product X. And just like taking all that data, distilling it, and working on making a better product down the road. And it's like that should have been, like obviously I didn't know, but I knew like that was a thing. Mm -hmm. But like I didn't know enough to say, hey, we should be doing this. Because that's not, that's not my area to say, hey, this is what we need to do. Yeah. Well, and there has been, it's been growing. Because I, I remember people who, you know, I, we, we worked with, they put a lot of effort into focusing on the end user and testing it. The actual in-person testing is, is newer. It's yeah, still a really fresh idea. And it's interesting because, like, the car industry does this pretty good, where 
every you know piece of plastic that's in the car you know every interior light every like mazda for instance their buttons they have a specific feel it's almost like those keyboards like the gaming keyboards yeah they adjust the effort it takes and the just the feel of the the button to the user that it has to feel good so it's yeah. not just a button but it it's it's an experience just pushing the button they designed the shift knob in in the mazdas they, they studied all the different muscles in the hand that it requires and they they designed that feel to to just be fine-tuned enough that it's like you know i'm gonna shift my car into drive and it it's not you know it, it feels good yeah there's there's a level of detail that i think like the automotive industry's done a really good job at in focusing on their their target audiences because yeah. even like the Ford Maverick, I've, I've texted you about this a couple of times. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <clears throat> it's not so much that truck is built luxuriously. It's not even built to, you know, a acceptable standard in my book, mm-hmm. which is why I love it so much is because it's basic. It's a $21,000 hybrid pickup truck that works. Oh, it is a hybrid? Yeah. Oh. That's why it gets 40 miles to the gallon in the city. Fair. So the interior's not ugly looking. It's actually very creative. I would not road trip in it, but Ford knows that. Like they designed a truck for someone who lives in a you know in an urban environment that wants a truck that you can throw stuff in the back that gets good gas mileage, but isn't built for you know hardcore off roading or you know F one fifties they they can tow. This car, this truck is to basically get around town. And throw mulch in the back so you can landscape your, you know, suburban house. It's not, you're not going to be, you know, you're going to take my, my oxen home in the trailer tonight. Like, that's, that's what the F-150 or something else is for. This is for someone living in town, which is exciting to see because for the longest time, like we had mini trucks before, but not even to this level of detail where it's a hybrid. Who would have thought that we'd have a hybrid pickup that gets 40 miles to the gallon? And it is going to completely change the industry. Yeah. And like taking it back to code, when you can get this level of detail on a website, whether it's, you know, for ag tech or for I know, selling cars, Yeah. when you can focus so deeply on the user and you can study them and, and not just study them, but care for them. Like mm-hmm. you're, as a designer, I, I care for the end user. I want them to have a great experience. I want them to get what they need. I even want to deliver something to them that they don't even realize or would expect to see something, something that adds that wow factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 an exciting point in time in the web world where companies are seeing the value in that and we're getting to do it. Like yeah. this is this is kind of I don't know, this is the most excited I've ever been working in web. That's awesome. Yeah. Now you're mentioning like you took the level of like design from like a website perspective or coding perspective and you compared it to Mazda and other cars would you say because I know I know you like cars Mm -hmm. would you say like that was a starting point into why you wanted to be like a developer in any matter or is that just a happenstance that like I think it let me think about this. I've always been a very picky person with any type of product, whether it's digital or, or physical. A lot of people grew up reading 
comic books yeah. and, and stories and stuff. I read Popular Mechanics and Consumer Reports, which is it's a double-edged sword because I'm obsessed with quality. Like, I want something that lasts and does a very good job. Right. At the same time, I only look for the bad. It's really hard for me to actually see <laughs> the good in some things, Yeah. which I've been working on. But with that, you look at different... Consumer Reports pulls out different aspects of like how easy is a coffee maker to use or yeah. what toothpaste whitens your teeth the most effectively. Right. And then you base that on price and what you can afford. And, and they have a huge section on cars where they would, I mean, they'd always recommend Toyotas and, and Hondas. But then there's always like oddball cars that you'd see that were like, I don't know, Chevy doesn't really have a great reputation for reliability, but the Corvette. You know, it's a well-engineered car. It has a V8 engine that's well over 400 horsepower these days. But it still pulls 30 miles to the gallon highway if you don't goose it because the drag coefficient is so low that it just cuts through the air really easily. That may have changed a bit with the newer model. but So, like, I guess I'm getting off track. It's the experience of it that Mm -hmm. matters so much to me. Yeah. Like, how reliable is something to use? And then you compare that to how comfortable is it? What, you know, features and, you know, what what's the mechanics behind it? Like, OXO products for the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. The guy who created, I think it was a guy, who created OXO, mm-hmm. uh, he noticed his wife using a can opener. And it's one of those really thin, wiry ones that, you know, have the really sharp edges and, you know, yeah. he's twisting it around. He saw that she was just struggling with it. And he's like, well, why is that? And you realize the thing was just, it's designed to open a can, but it was not designed for really a human to use. It was just this, you know, it got the job done, mm-hmm. but it wasn't comfortable. And that was the start of OXO, is that he designed tools around the kitchen to work with people with hands and stuff whereas the person who originally invented the can opener was a pretty cool product but mm-hmm. it, he just didn't take it as far as he could have or didn't have the time to right so yeah even like i have another friend he is a full-time experienced designer and he will sit in coffee shops and just watch where people walk and how they interact with the coffee shop so he'll notice pinch points. He'll notice notice flows in the like when the customers are ordering coffee. He'll he'll be able to see pinch points when, like after you order your coffee, do you you know stand around and wait or do you have to like fight the line ordering coffee to get out of that area? Where's the menus at? Like what is the the cho- like the the most choice seating position in the restaurant or coffee shop? Yeah. And, it's just interesting. It's it's just like click mapping on a web page where you see where people like where everyone mouse uh, where they mice over. I mean, it's basically the exact same thing. It's just here's the the digital view of it and then the the physical. Yeah, I think it's just at the end of the day, it's just like focusing on no matter what the product, no matter what the thing is. Like we want the best experience for the time that we're using that product mm-hmm. or service. And having people research into that and people like grab onto that and like it needs to happen. And some some places do put forth the time and effort, some don't, and it shows. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like we make a you know, people like to bash on certain product X or product Y, and it's like 
you know, and then you'll get the average Jones like, well, did they actually like take the time to do this? They probably did, but they're probably just not getting it. There's probably there's this there's this like not a full silo, but there's something missing in the feedback loop mm-hmm. that a company may not be getting. I know like a good example, and I only use this a little bit, so I'm not really a good example of this, but I've heard people complain about it, is Disney Plus. The application on the TV, like it's people hate it. They hate the like how it, how you interact with it. It's very backwards compared to what's out there. Yeah, it's like they had the chance to see what Netflix, Hulu, other streaming platforms, or even just other video platforms are doing as a player and either do the same or improve on it. Because I I gotta say, I just started recently-ish having Hulu, and I hate Hulu's layout. I haven't been on it for a while. I don't care for... I don't really care for it. (laughs) And, like... There's either I have to wait pretty far into the credits before the timer starts ticking down to play the next one, next episode. I'm like, just be like Netflix. Have that little button pop up saying, you want to start the next episode? Yes. Click. Go. <laughs> like, do yeah. something like that. Because it's like, just because I don't want to wait because I'm mildly impatient about it. I, I could change my behavior, but it's like, that is not the solution all the time. And... It's like, okay, I gotta scroll down and see the scene more. Like, I gotta, like, scroll down, see over, and then, like, oh, here's the next one playing. I'm like, why is that the case? Like, you should just have a little button to, like, I wanna play next episode. Or maybe I just wait. I'm like, I don't really care about the little end credit thing at the end of Frasier all the time. Yeah. Or whatever. My hope would be is that that's a limitation because of legal reasons. Like, maybe they have to play the credits for an X amount of time. That that's me just hoping that they have a reason for why they did that. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it could that could be too. But you know, either way, it detracts from the you know having a a nice fluid experience and watching mm-hmm. stuff on your TV. Yeah. Another really good example that I've seen recently is like I don't have a lot of time to play games these days. Mm. I my gaming is vicariously through YouTube people. And one guy who loves immersive game experiences, yeah, primarily with Battlefield, that's how I got hooked on him. He was critiquing Battlefield 2024, I think, whatever the latest one is. Yeah, and like everyone's mad about it because they they took away classes, oh. so anyone. Like at any point throughout the game, can just choose whatever gun they have. Like they can kind of load out whatever they want. So yeah. you're not a medic, you're not an anti-tank or or anything. You just choose what you want, which takes a lot of strategy out of the game because you can pause, switch from an anti-tank weapon to you know an SMG or whatever. Yeah, you use. And, it... and then you can hammer away. And then they also try like their weapons balancing has mm-hmm. they've struggled with that. So. Some weapons, like they're in Battlefield 1942, the revamped version, they're Fliegerfaust, which is like an anti-airplane thing that I'm not even sure if it was implemented in the real World War II. But you could shoot planes down with one shot, basically. It's a little broken. Yeah. So, what was it? Dice? I can't remember who made... I don't think it's Dice. I think it was a different... It's Dice or EA. 
Yeah, and EA is like the parent company behind it. And it's not like these comments are hard to see. Like, you know, anyone with YouTube can see these critiques. And even if, like, the guy watches Ranger Dave, even if he's, like, way over the top with his critiques, you can balance that out by, you know, listening to tons of... And it's not even criticism. I think it's actually constructive criticism because he's not, like, saying, well, this game sucks, don't play it. It's... You know, this game's really annoying, annoying me, and here's why. So it's basically like free feedback that's right. not really being listened to right now. And if they did, man, they would have a huge following and the game would be a, a massive success. But right now, it's actually like tanking really, really bad. And hopefully that will be a wake-up call for some of these companies and be like, oh, well... See, the problem is that they know that they'll give, they have a loyal audience that's some following, so they don't prioritize all the time listening to every feedback. But if, like, if there's, like, a overwhelming, you know, amount of voice somewhere saying, hey, fix this thing, they should try to fix it mm -hmm. and, like, actually care about... They're end users. But sometimes they don't. And that sucks. And that goes back to saying earlier, listening, even just like listening to feedback and seeing if actually, like that, it can't hurt mm -hmm. to listen. And if they implement it, cool. If not, well, so be it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's on them, I guess. Yeah. I mean, all the projects I've been on that I've been able to get direct feedback on, mm -hmm. that's where I see the most progress. Because I, I don't... That, that feedback is more effective than I am as a designer. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't put myself... Or I, don't, I don't have the experience that anyone I'm designing for has. Like, they're in that industry. Because I, I work by contract right now. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, I'm full-time for the company, but all my projects are based on contract. Okay. All the people I design for, they know what they need more than me. And really, at the end of the day, I just, I'm, I'm a listener and I try my best to make, deliver what they need, which gets complicated because there's like the obvious features they need and there's also like stuff that they don't realize they need or they don't exactly know what they need and that's yeah that's where i figure it out but and that's like that at my place the only way to know is to ask yeah and that's what i feel like our designers are trying to do is like they are taking what the stakeholders want making something out of it and then sitting down with them like all right let's hash this out let's make a product from it and go from there mm -hmm. and i think that I don't have a huge issue with stakeholders. The one concern I have, well, I shouldn't say just one concern, but it's not so much about the stakeholders. It's about who's buying the stuff. Like, yeah, I think it has to be a hundred percent user based, whether that's something that the users are demanding or it's a feature that we think that is valuable to the users, which all you have to do is test and see like, Hey, what do you think of this feature? You don't really ask them, 
you know, what, what do you want? It's more of observing them and, and talking to them, you know, how they interact with, with the site. Yeah, we're trying to do that. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And adding, I'm not sure how often this is used, but there's those little, like, quantum metric feedback buttons that you can, like, submit feedback on. And, like, you could be like, oh, I'm on this certain page, and here's feedback for this certain page. And I wonder if, like, anything, but, like, any feedback that we've taken from that, if we actually did anything with it. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see down the road. Yeah, the, so there's one designer specifically that we both know who basically put the company, I mean, years and years ahead of yeah. the competition. I have not worked at a company that has been at, at that level. Like the design language, you know, everything that was, like that set the bar. Like it, it, if I work at any company, if it's not at that bar, I want it, I want it to get yeah there because that like it's one of those things that in hindsight i should have realized the significance of that because it's not until i i moved on to different positions where you realize oh man yeah he was like that that is that's a huge deal because i'm I'm working with something like this this is like the flintstones mobile compared to (laughs) to the to the lexus or whatever that that he made it's wild we're interesting to see the stuff that you do, like, down the road, like, what will come of it, like, the stuff that you're working on, and then even, like, where I'm at, it's interesting to see, like, where they take things. Mm-hmm. And it's always interesting to hear, like, from other companies and other people, like, oh, we're doing this, this, and this, and it's, like, kind of comparing notes in a sense of, like, oh, well, we have this, not a measuring competition, mm-hmm. but a, just out of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I don't like to... I guess it's something I even learned at, at the place we worked. I don't want to just criticize. If I want to criticize something, I want to find a way to improve it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want to see something fail. I want to see something go above and beyond. And, and to do that, you kind of have to take an audit of yourself and see where you're at. And, and compare yourself to, to other people. Maybe, maybe it's not, you know, accompanying the same industry maybe you can compare yourself to i don't know you know starbucks or some other random company that Mm -hmm. has uh, starbucks has a really strong design language and and brand brand guidelines so yeah well this has been interesting talking about all this like design stuff and whatever and i'd I'd love i would just love to sit down and talk more of it sometime and just like go into i don't know we need to have like a round table. A round table of designers. Get the gang back together and yeah. find some other people. <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be interesting. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for joining me on this. Oh, thanks. It was it was a good time. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.